When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to week eight and welcome to our flagship show, Stats versus Film, where we take all of the lovely tape, the in-game action, and combine that with this nerd's charts, the spreadsheets, the deep, deep statistics to hopefully find the answer of player usage, player performances, and trends we can latch on to, Hayden Winks, for the rest of the fantasy football season. It's week eight. It's time to get our shit together for trying to make fantasy football playoffs. How about that? It's really true. It's really true. I mean, there are going to be players who in the first eight weeks have done absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. and then are league and season changers in the final six weeks of the season. I mean, look at Christian Watson last year, Amon Ross St. Brown the year before that, freaking Tim Hightower a decade ago winning fantasy championships. Uh, If you can't tell, I am severely hungover. No, (laughs) just under the weather. So sick. Uh, And the only thing, the only cure is uh, to subscribe on our way to 100,000. That's it. Okay, let's get into it. Some really fun teams on the way. We kick it off with the Los Angeles Rams. Talk to me about this backfield because at this point last week, I don't even know if we had all the information of who was going to be on the active roster for this team. And what we saw this past weekend was a lot of Daryl Henderson and a lot of Royce Freeman. It was just them. Miles Gaskin was a healthy and active. That could change going into next week. Zach Evans, we have confirmation once again that he's just not going to be a part of the game plan. Royce Freeman, Daryl Henderson, way more trusted. We talked about how trust is probably the number one uh, trait for a McVay and Stafford running back. And it started out with Daryl Henderson. Royce Freeman was rotating drives. Henderson got to the two-minute drill. Henderson also got the goal line carry. So Henderson is the back to own he's the back to start there's a chance that Royce Freeman can get back in the mix this could be a little bit of a hot hand approach here but uh looking at it last week 14.9 expected half PPR points for Daryl Henderson Royce Freeman 5.3 as the clear number two so Daryl Henderson I'll call him a low floor RB2 and Royce Freeman with no teams on by probably shouldn't be started going into next week And I think it is worth pointing out that this is very different than the Kyron William usage that we got in that when he was the back on this team and healthy, it was like 97% of the snaps, 100%, 73% of the snaps, 85 and 83%. And as you outlined, it was just 58 and 42. So there's going to be more of a mixture and it's not going to be one of these guys most likely ranking among the top five running backs each week. Um, I went through all of the pass pro reps for both Dale Henderson and Royce Freeman because, to be honest, I thought that maybe more responsibility would be put on the shoulders of Matthew Stafford in this environment if they don't have one guy that they can trust. And I thought both were equally fine in it. There was one with Dale Henderson picking up a blitzer, you know, carrying him around the pocket, and then Royce Freeman stepped up there against an interior disruption too. So I'm with you. The only clear answer that we have 
is that like Zach Evans is not going to factor into this. Nope. Um, and it's almost certainly going to be these two. Uh, but we'll see if there's any Jordan Rodriguez news moving forward with that. Anything you want to talk about with the wide receivers here? Yeah, I mean, Puka Nakua's tape was just outrageous once again. Like we talked about the toughness, but I don't want to completely undersell him because he offers like this player here a little bit more yards after the catch speed than I think people give him credit for. But once again, two or three sideline grabs that were absolutely unbelievable, just showing off of his skill. And then obviously he had one play later in the contest where he was legitimately trucking dudes to the ground. So once again, just an absolutely ridiculous player. What a hit for him. Cooper Cup's going to be fine. This is kind of a one-game one blimp. Uh, the Rams offense wasn't completely firing on all cylinders. It's just going to be those two. Uh, since Cooper Cup's come back 2-2 out, well, he scored the touchdown here, but only 4.1 expected fantasy points. I did have a new chart, though, that I wanted to de debut here. And it's percentage of throws over the middle. And what wow. we know is over, over the middle throws are more valuable because they're easier to get completed, especially ones that are 10 yards or more downfield. The Rams and the Texans are all by themselves up here. Very efficient types of throws. You need a really reliable receiver to work over the middle. And so far, that's been Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua is getting these throws over the middle constantly. And that's why he's been so efficient. That's why he has to take some of these huge hits. But yeah. a player of that size working in on these in-breaking routes, slant routes, a couple post routes every once in a while, comeback routes, super valuable for a team. And right now, the Rams and the Texans are by themselves. And that's why their offenses, despite having a lot of question marks, have been firing uh, early on this season. Something to keep in mind, too, in the McVay-Stafford era, the Rams have previously been one of the past happiest teams inside the red zone and inside the 10 yard line that has flipped this year. They're quite run heavy with Kyron Williams. I do wonder in the next three weeks with Kyron still shelved if, mm -hmm. but maybe it's just trusting their offensive line. I'm not sure, but in order for, I mean, Puka has been unbelievable this year, but it's pretty incredible. We can say that with him just having two touchdowns on the season. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I do wonder if maybe that reaches average or even if they flip back to passing in that area of the field and that can make Puka's ceiling even higher than what we've seen it so far yeah over the last month he's the wide receiver six in usage and that includes multiple games with cut back so what a stud what a stud buffalo bills coming up so previous episodes of the show talked about how actually 12 personnel 11 and a half that the bills were calling it was almost their weakest personnel grouping in terms of EPA. Um, Dawson Knox now is having wrist surgery, and Dawson Knox is going to miss a period of time, which Sean McDermott is not telling the media. Mm -hmm. And so, Hayden, we kind of get two great things here. We get the Bills back in 11 personnel, and then we get Don Kincaid, their first-round tight end, in for nearly every single snap as the isolated tight end. Yeah, last week, uh, Dalton Kincaid happened to have 10.4 expected half PPR points, career highs in every single category based off of the usage. And that's enough usage to call him a tight end one uh, as soon as this week. Like you said, the wrist surgery for Dawson Knox, it's still TBD on the length of it. Typically one to four weeks from my understanding, but there are season ending versions of this. We've entered the wild, wild west, but it's very rare to have like a tight end one kind of just like fall into our laps in fantasy land, especially off the waiver wire. So if he is available in a 10 person league, I do think this is a player that you should spend a healthy amount totally. of fab on. I will say 
even watching the highlights here of him, a lot of it is kind of just check and release, sit and zone type of uh, routes here. Nothing was super special, but he's also a rookie. And the fact that he's even on the field as a rookie is very bullish. They obviously want to get him involved here. So I do think that he could be a borderline top five-ish tight end if a couple things get added to his plate, he needs a win in man coverage, a couple more seam routes, and then all of a sudden he's going to be in that Mac in that mix. But he's for sure a top eight tight end in my rankings going into this week. I mean, it's still hilarious to look at the tight end scores this season. You have Travis Kelsey at 16.8 points, Mark Andrews at 13.3, Sam Laporta at 10.5, TJ Hawkinson at 10.4. That's all points per game. And then after that, the next closest is Darren Waller. At 8.8. Yes, I would immediately with Dalton Kincaid stop wasting my time with the likes of Gerald Everett, Jake Ferguson, Hunter Henry, to be honest with you. I mean, that David Njoku area. I mean, that's a ton of names. We can go higher or lower than that and just go all in with Dalton Kincaid in that spot. I will say if we can nitpick his game a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, he is so much better to me with his feel and zone coverage. and. He, he, which is actually difficult a lot of times for young tight ends to do. Um, but we saw one of those routes where he was working over the middle and he could have continued it, but he sat down and kind of hooked back and Josh Allen was already throwing the ball. And so again, I think we've seen probably the worst of Dalton Kincaid so far. And to me, that is important to say. And it was less about me criticizing him as a player and more about this team working out of 11 and a half personnel and that being met with nickel and dime scenarios. So you're kind of in no man's land. It wasn't working how they wanted it to. And again, now we get the best of both worlds with one singular tight end who's very, a very good pass catcher. And then now a third wide receiver that is going to be split between the Trent Sherfields, Khalil Shakurs, and Deontay Hardys of the world, which I think makes this team more explosive. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm hoping that if he's going to be playing regular wide receiver, it's less of just the check and release routes. They can actually be a little bit more creative. Um, other note with the Bills that I had here was just the running back rotation without Damian Harris. It was a lot of James Cook early on. Latavius Murray, of course, does get the inside the five-yard line opportunity late in the game. But what happens when the Bills are trailing points or it's a close game, they're not going to use their running backs as much and that's why you kind of see in the late part of the game the running back touches just kind of disappeared so uh james cook i thought looked fine when you do watch james cook though it's kind of funny he bounces back and forth so much and i think that's probably why he's not the goal line back aside from like the size but you can watch him it helps him rip off some big plays because he'll find rushing lanes that other backs would not get to he can also work down the field a little bit on occasion like we saw that one but when you do watch him between the tackles he is so jitterbuggy and i think his brother dalvin cook was a little bit better at just kind of picking one lane and hitting it where james cook is still in the infant part of his careers doing stuff like that where it's kind of all over the place it's so difficult for me to predict exactly how they're going to unleash this backfield on a weekly basis um because we've seen it you know in like three different ways it does help now it's just two names and yes i mean at the same time i don't know if we went into this game thinking that the bills are going to be in negative game script for the vast majority of it mm-hmm. and uh so yeah i mean look no bye weeks this week so i don't think we can talk about latavius murray at all but look there are future weeks where uh, his name certainly might pop up Okay, Cleveland Browns are next. Speaking of running backs, Jerome Ford, third play of the game, reels off a 69-yard touchdown. Uh, then he leaves with 
how was it described? An ankle sprain that is more on the high end. Um, <laughs> Why? What is up with the, the teams being so afraid to say, guess what? It's the NFL and my player has a high ankle sprain. It happens. <laughs> uh, and reports stated that he'd only be missing for one or two weeks. Uh, I don't think I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in his absence, Kareem Hunt was checking in about 50% of the time. I thought, and maybe your chart disagrees here. Uh, that it was kind of one series in, one series out for both, and they were kind of alternating there. And then Pierre Strong filled in as the third running back. To me, Hayden, I don't think that this Browns team is then going to keep that same Ford-Hunt usage with now Hunt and Pierre Strong. I could be wrong in that, but I think now that they will lean a bit more heavily into Kareem Hunt uh, because, to be honest, Pierre Strong was the player that they replaced. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Kareem Hunt was playing, and he was actually splitting drives with Jerome Ford previously to this week. He got the two inside the five-button opportunities early. Once Jerome Ford left the game, it was still kind of a 50-50 split in terms of touches, but I'm with you. Kareem Hunt, he's just so much more bigger, mass-heavy than Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong's so light on his feet, and this is a game about scoring touchdowns, and to me, Kareem Hunt is going to be that guy given the opportunity, even that play right there with the wildcat option for him. I don't think you're going to see that any of that stuff with Pierre strong. Your chart does show that Pierre strong finished the game. I think Raymond also left with an injury or like was dealing with an injury mm -hmm. throughout the game too. So that was probably a factor in all of it. Um, I haven't read up or recently on the words that Kevin Stefanski is using for Deshaun Watson. I know some who are around this Browns team, believe that like, hey, injury reserve might be in question here, and that's a possibility. Um, we'll see. I mean, their next four games, they're four and two right now. Maybe you can be one and three in those next and be five and five and get him back towards the end of the stretch. But the team is quite different. I mean, especially with Amari Cooper, that is quite different when it's yes. P.J. Walker out there who is a game manager. Let's lean on our defense that has a historically good player in Miles okay. Garrett uh, versus even a, a broken Deshaun Watson, who has not been playing well since he has joined this Cleveland Browns team. Yeah, this chart right here inside the 10 yard line pass rates, uh, not neutral game scripts, just how often you're running the ball. And the Browns right here are running the ball at the second highest rate, only trailing the Eagles, who, of course, have Jalen Hurts. So I think they are trying to hide their quarterbacks. And we've seen this uh, in previous years as well, as well. And that's positive news for Kareem Hunt if he is available off the waiver wire there. And they had the Deshaun Watson stuff. He, he could have played. It's as simple as that. The coaches said we would rather have PJ Walker than this version of Deshaun Watson. It was interesting that they said that Deshaun's going to come back and play immediately. It's almost seemed like posturing to put this back onto Deshaun. Be like, dude, you got to figure this thing out. You got to play through this instead of putting it on the team. So things are weird here because the offensive line's good. This running game has been fine enough, even without Nick Chubb. And the defense is so damn good. If they had uh, even 80% of the usual Deshaun Watson, this team would be very scary. Jacksonville Jaguars, specifically Calvin Ridley. Uh, does Calvin Ridley get open, Hayden Winks? Um, honestly, not as much as I was hoping for. Hmm. Against I think that this is like an extended conversation we need to have, yeah. if you don't mind. Because sure. I'm a huge Calvin Ridley fan, and I think you have to almost contextualize what he is doing for this offense and having that attribute and lead to wins versus us in the fancy football bubble. And if, if it's going to be a successful player for us week in and week out, like I think that by the end of the year, Calvin really is going to be an important piece here, but let me just 
outline a few numbers that I brought to the table here because this past weekend, you know, it was just four targets and really not one until the second half. Trevor Lawrence had the second quickest time to throw of the entire NFL in week seven at 2.2 seconds. And third low is a dot at six yards among all quarterbacks again. So to me, and you're going to see in a bunch of this footage, like this first one. Okay. This is a simple vertical route over route. Calvin Ridley. Let's run off the coverage, occupy the safety and have Christian Kirk be the one to maximize on that area of space. Calvin Ridley clear out space, stretch the defense. And it's exactly what this team like needed to have last season because we talked about it so often. It felt like there was a 12-yard ceiling on the scene. And while there are going to be games like we have seen for Calvin Ridley to make good on some of these vertical routes, it's not the easy stuff. It's not working over the middle of the field. And I actually think that there is an association, Hayden, and I'll pull this up right now, to – Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones, because the two games that Zay Jones played this season, Calvin Ridley, I believe, had, let me find it. Yeah, two games. Calvin Ridley had 20.1 points and 17.1 points. The only two games. And the association is Zay can do a bunch or some of the dirty work of this, of clearing out the underneath space. And so Calvin really can, you know, get the more opportunities, get some first retargets, because as we have seen, Christian Kirk has flipped as being the first retarget on a lot of this underneath work so far. I agree with you. It's a very valuable role for the NFL, and you have to have the speed to make good on it. I created this chart, and this is just percentage of throws that are, I'm calling them prayer targets, and it's targets of 10 plus yards downfield and near the sideline. And what you see here is Calvin really is at the very top of this, where it's kind of like when we talked about like George Pickens, Gabe Davis, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Alec Pierce. This type of role has just been hard to be consistent on. And when I put on the tape with Calvin Ridley, it's very clear that this is what's happening. Christian Kirk's getting on the opposite side. You can see him down here. I'm calling them layup targets, stuff over the middle, shallower, very valuable looks as well. But Calvin really, to me, just doesn't seem as fast right oh, now. Oh, interesting. I, I, I kind of disagree with that. Yeah, I thought a lot of the, these uh, reps that you just showed here, he is kind of right. Somebody's right in his hip pocket on a lot of them. And I think that's why he hasn't been getting the ball as much. At the same time, though, Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley still his ball tracking stuff to me is very good. They will have some massive weeks together because he is working downfield. But... Right now, Calvin Ridley is just not getting any of the easy targets. And for fantasy, right. that does matter. Just for example, like over the last month of the season, Calvin Ridley is now down to wide receiver 45 in usage. And next-gen stats before this Saints game, they tweeted out that against press man coverage, he has a 0.6 yards per route run. And typically, that's an indicator of athleticism, uh, just because we know that he's such a good route runner in general. And that's what's concerning me a little bit is he's so much better against zone coverage, so much better against off coverage. And right now they're basically putting him against press coverage and trying to make him win downfield. And it's just hard to be consistent in that role. I hear you on a good chunk of that. Um, I will add here, though, like this is an inside breaking route 
that if Trevor wanted to hit Calvin Ridley, he could have. And like this is an example of, to me, a good route that you throw the middle of the field and he's open rather, again, than helping or looking towards Jamal Agnew in isolated coverage against Marshawn Lattimore. Like here, we've seen this throw. And I want to say with all this stuff, I talk about this with Colt all the time on scheme. Like we do not know the progressions, right? We're only guessing. So you can't like just take a still image of this and be like, oh, look, Calvin Ridley's open, right? We don't know what the thought process is. And I'm, this isn't a critique of Trevor Lawrence either, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, I do want to look in the mirror and say, I need to separate my belief of how Calvin Ridley is impacting the Jaguars with what Calvin Ridley is as a fantasy asset. Because that's like the name of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is why we do this in order to try to leverage what we know about the game and what makes good picks and good selections on a weekly basis. And I, I, I want to bring up that when Zay Jones does return, I think that this will trend in a better direction and we won't get like offers like we're doing right now, but we don't know when that is because, you know, Zay has just kind of been in this nether realm over the Mm -hmm. last few weeks. Yeah, my last note here, and this is just regression working in weird ways. Christian Kirk on his deep targets, he's caught 73% of them. Calvin Ridley, 35%. So that even is this past one, like back. it was an awesome track of the football. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to me, he almost got in if he did not get in. And then like, so we've gotten so many that are inches and we're only right. seven weeks into this. Like there yeah. could be a stretch where that does hit. And we've yeah. seen it happen before. It just it's it's glass half full or glass half empty on that same exact route though did not get that much separation was pushed kind of to the sideline and then barely missed just like what is causing it I don't know Minnesota Vikings on a more positive note Jordan Addison has arrived uh, I loved almost like the story arc that we saw in the individual game of in the first interception uh, facing a much larger cornerback and kind of losing on contact to then a couple routes later getting a huge hit from Hufanga over the middle of the field while catching it and then later on stealing the interception away from the same corner who ripped it from him in the first quarter. Um, I love this. This is exactly why we drafted Jordan Addison. Uh, We shouldn't expect Kirk Cousins who – we appreciate to play at this level every single week against a top defense like this. But it's so clear that while Justin Jefferson is out, Jordan Addison uh, is the dude that things will get schemed up for. He's been so good on a per target basis. Like he, he's running super hot when it comes to touchdowns. Um, but man, he just looks so much faster than what the combine bros want to admit out there. Uh, he's making great plays at the catch point as well he is far from a perfect player like he can get bodied out there because he is small but at the same time kevin o'connell is doing a fantastic job of scheming him open and without justin jefferson jordan addison's now all the way up to 12.2 expected half ppr points per game which is right there with your classic wide receivers and i think there's a chance that kirk cousins continues to play as good as he's been playing i think he might be the most underrated quarterback in the league all of a sudden just because nobody wants to rank him inside the top 10 but to me he clearly is a top 10 quarterback this offensive line has held together better than it has in previous seasons as well and you see kevin o'connell on the sideline some of these i think it was this one as well completely pumped up because jordan addison on these double moves is roasting the players drawing defensive pass interferences this is his dude and right now this offense is absolutely rolling when it comes to 
the value of this uh, kind of spot inside the 10 yard line, the Vikings number one in, pa- in pass rate uh, in neutral situations. They're still top five this year as well. And just, if you're looking at, they get to the red zone often, they have a bunch of targets per game. So there's a chance to me where Jordan Addison remains a top 15 ish fantasy wide receiver and Justin Jefferson, the news remains status quo kind of wants a contract willing to sit out extra games. This injury did seem pretty severe as well. So it's still TBD if Justin Jefferson's even going to play this year. Right now in points per game, and this includes a zero back in week four, mm-hmm. Jordan Addison is sandwiched between Devontae Adams, Brendan Ayuk, and then George Pickens, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Pittman. I mean, that's great stuff. And yep. this recently could have been the coming out party, but Jordan Addison is good and therefore was making good on limited opportunities early in the season. Like that could not have gone our way. 60 yard, 40 yard touchdowns, but it did. And now we get like entire season production uh, so far from this team. I I absolutely love it. Okay. Anything you want to say about this running back room? Because talk me through what this shows other than Alexander Madison early. And then we get a pretty 50, 50 split along with a, again, rough Alexander Madison uh, hit about midway through the game too. Yeah, he got the two inside the five-yard line opportunities, and that's ultimately what you want from this backfield because they're not going to like run the ball a bunch in neutral situations. Cam Akers gets a full drive earlier in the game and also finishes the game uh, in a very close game down the stretch. So it was a decrease in Alexander Madison's role. Um, we'll see what the injury report says uh, moving forward for this entire team because we have TJ Hawkinson was like looked like he was battling through an injury. It seemed like the Jordan Addison stuff at least was a cramp. Um, but Alexander Madison, only 52% of the snaps in this game. Uh, so we'll see what's going on for, uh, moving forward. Yeah. From Mike Clay, Madison handled the Vikings first five running back carries. Then Cam Akers handled 10 of the next 13 carries. Um, and I do want to bring this up just to conclude our love fest for Jordan Addison, who that's been going on since the summer from Kevin Seifert after Jordan Addison's big Monday night. Uh, here is the complete list of rookie wide receivers with 400 plus receiving yards and six plus touchdowns in their first seven NFL games over the past 40 seasons. It's Jordan Addison, Jamar Chase, Marquis Colston, and Randy Moss. Pretty good company. Who's Randy Moss? <laughs> oh, I'm surprised you're not saying Marquis Colston. That was probably right around oh. you started playing fantasy football. Yeah. yeah. I know Marquis. Yeah. Good. Okay. Kansas City Chiefs next. Let's stick with rookie wide receivers and discuss Rasheed Rice, who, in the absence of Justin Watson, I think ran around like 76% of dropbacks. He finishes the day with six targets, five receptions, 60 yards, and a score. Again, it's the Travis Kelsey show. Isaiah Pacheco obviously stays involved. But if there's one other player who brings something to the table in terms of being a bigger body after the catch, as we talked about for the last three or four weeks, yep. it's been Rasheed Rice. He, he's so physical. He adds a little bit of explosiveness after the catch. They're giving him a couple design looks again, but he actually runs real wide receiver routes, which is saying something because that's not McCall Hardman's game. That's not Kadarius Tony's game. And uh, Sky Moore, he's updated now 0.9 yards per route run with Patrick Mahomes. Seems almost impossible to do. Uh, Rasheed Rice is like three times better than that. So we're getting close to a full-time role at 65% routes last week. I'm hoping that we can even get that a little bit higher, but Rasheed Rice at this point, I think he's being close to being an every single week flex guy. And if they ever make him an 80 to hundred percent player, which I'm hoping they do because they desperately need somebody like that in the mix. 
I think he's got a chance to be a upside wide receiver three. So uh, good hit. If you have Rasheed Rice, the Kadarius Tony stuff, his routes decrease with Nicole Hardman back in the mix. Um, but until then, it's just Travis Kelsey winning life. Atlanta Falcons. Any thoughts on the Bijan Robinson situation? He'll be I fine. I could care less, week. to be honest. Like, I understand it hurt people who obviously played him and no news came out, but like, in terms of like a witch hunt for this to be in the injury report, it, it sucks. And it, it definitely should not have been the case. We, we've just put up his one highlight. <laughs> um, oh, but it's almost like the sign stealing thing to me right now in college football, yeah. like in BD. It, it happens, man. It, it happens. happens. It definitely happens. Um, in his absence, though, we got a bunch of Tyler Algier. We got a bunch of Cordero Patterson. And then we got 26 routes for – Drake London compared to just 21 routes for Kyle Pitts. But as we've talked about in recent weeks, uh, they are the downfield intermediate wide receivers for this team. Basically, Yeah. Tell me if I'm crazy here. Um, as the season progressed in the last two years, the Falcons pass rate has gotten so higher and higher. I saw you put this out there weeks 15 through 18. That was just a switch to Desmond Ritter. Right. Right. So but but was like you're like, seeing it now. It was about, yeah, five to six more passes per game compared to Marcus Mariota. And yeah, we're, we're getting that now. So even it's, it's about four more than the average was for Desmond Ritter last year too, which is great, Mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference of Drake London being like in the mix and Kyle Pitts being in the mix versus them not being in the mix. So um, nothing like too special. I I, I agree with you. Bijan will be fine next week and then we'll pretend like none of this has happened. Um, And yeah, I'm sure it was aggravating for all of you. I just don't want to make it beyond a story from last Sunday, I guess is my point. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. New Orleans Saints. I mean, Alvin Kamara is on one right now in terms of where he ranks among all running backs in fantasy points per game. Um, he's sixth, 14.9, 17.2, 13.9, and 23.3. Uh, that is basically only after Achan, McCaffrey, Mostert, Etienne, and Kyron Williams so far this year. And Hayden, with how Derek Carr plays the position, yes. uh, hitting his back foot and just getting rid of the football and not allowing these long developing routes to hit down the field, I don't see how this does not continue for promo code Alvin. Yeah, it's just insane. Look at him by himself right here. This is targets per game, almost averaging 10 of them. And yeah, it's it's the PPR scam of the century, but it is not going anywhere. Even with um, Jamal Williams back and active for this last game, it was Kamara at the goal line as well. Yeah, it just you see Derek Carr come off the reads so fast to get him the ball. Not all of these are screens, but it's plays like that one where it's just like, all right, here's your point uh, five uh, full point PPR for Alvin Kamara. He looks, he looks totally fine to me. Um, and I get it. The saints have been dealing with some injuries here on the offensive line. So, uh, maybe that's why they're trying to really focus in on Alvin Kamara, but yeah, it's a function of how Derek Carr has been playing. Cause all of his deep balls are going incomplete. I thought this was a hilarious tweet from Matt Harmon. Um, having Alvin Kamara as the running back for Derek Carr is like dropping a pack of cigs on a smoker's bedside table every morning. <laughs> Even if he wanted to quit, he has no shot. It's over as soon as the day begins. It's it's so clear. Like as soon as Derek started hit, taking those hits, he was just back foot out, back foot out, and like the guys weren't even having their heads turned down the yeah. field. It is so frustrating to watch. I'm sure it's even more frustrating if you're a Saints fan. That's for sure. Well, it is 
very frustrating if you're Chris Olave, uh, who, by the way, got arrested for uh, reckless driving this week. Uh, but his target share has dropped from 31% down to 21% with Alvin Kamara back in the lineup. The Saints have found themselves in very wonky games, so they're passing the ball like with a ton of volume. So Chris Olave has been like fine enough. But if the Saints play ball how they want to play, very conservative, and that target share st- stays that low, it's going to be tough for Chris Olave to get there. Chris Olave is still so smooth on these outbreaking and comeback routes and stuff, but it's just been incomplete pass after incomplete pass down the field, and uh, he just doesn't get the same red zone opportunities. He, he's really on the Terry McLaurin plane for fantasy potential. I think he might be a little bit better than even Terry McLaurin was, a little bit smoother of a player, but that's what has me nervous with Chris Olave right now. Yeah, totally fair. Okay, Philadelphia Eagles. DeAndre Swift, 15 carries plus three receptions. Kenny Gainwell, though, eight carries, just 16 yards, but he does get the goal line score. Anything we should be worried about with those two? Because, I mean, we've seen Swift totally own this backfield. Obviously, you're starting DeAndre Swift every single week, but I would say when the two were healthy in games, at least to my eyes, and you might say differently, this is probably the most involvement that we've seen from Kenny Gainwell so far. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, DeAndre Swift, 10.2 expected happy yards was as low as since week one when Gainwell was the starter. We have seen Kenny Gainwell and the, like the very last drive be the guy to like fully run out the clock where like they used DeAndre Swift or Miles Sanders last year before that, which is interesting. I don't know why that is, but I think that was just kind of bad luck with Kenny Gainwell getting that goal line opportunity. Not bad luck, though, is A.J. Brown on an absolute heater. And that's what – it's simple as this. He, Devontae Smith is no A.J. Brown, and that's why he's just not getting the rock. Um, so it's going to be hard for Devontae Smith to fully break out because, as I mentioned earlier on, the Eagles have passed the ball inside the 10-yard line on 24% of their attempts, and that's why Jalen Hurts – it can, will continue to be a fantasy stud because he's getting the goal line opportunities. He has AJ Brown, who I would say only Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill are better than him at the NFL right now. Um, pretty, pretty insane offense to watch. A total ass kicking for Philadelphia against Miami. Los Angeles Chargers. I think people are getting a bit nervous with Austin Eckler because you had an awesome week one, 24.4 points. He misses the next three games. Then there's the bye week. And then since he has returned, just 8.2 and 5.1 fantasy points. I went back and watched all of his carries against his Kansas City Chiefs defensive line. There was nowhere for him to run, like Stonewall every single time. And I, on top of it, just one target, I think, in that game too. So to me, a positive outcome was not going to be there with that, but that certainly doesn't equal first-round points uh, after a great week one. Well, I think Justin Herbert is not the same player right now with his finger and without the center, Corey Lindsley, who's one of the better senders in the entire league. And then on top of that, with Austin Eckler, he's comes back from his high ankle injury. And then in this game, he has an ankle injury on the other side. So he was in and out of the lineup. And that's why Joshua Kelly was playing. And of course, Joshua Kelly uh, finally hits a 75 yard touchdown or whatever the hell, 49 yard touchdown. Uh, when we needed him the least. Um, so yeah, it's been a tough run out with Austin Eckler, I think largely to due to injuries. Um, and then for the wide receivers, I think Keenan Allen, because Herbert hasn't been the same, he's been a tick down one tier down in fantasy land. Uh, meanwhile, Josh Palmer 
he's been rock solid for this team, man. He's just oh, yeah. so physical. He can do a Mike Williams impersonation, not like like at the catch point, but winning physically. He has some limitations to his game uh, due to like lack of total speed. But this was a hell of a little play right there on that little China route, getting a first down on a third down, made some big plays throughout the game. He's up to the wide receiver 26 in usage over the last month. So I would call Josh Palmer, even with the inconsistencies in the Chargers offense right now, being a wide receiver three. And as a reminder, the Chiefs defense is very good. Steve Spagnola, monster. They have they've hit home runs in the secondary with draft picks. Uh, I know Nick Bolton's going to be out that linebacker, but they have depth at that position. They have Chris Jones, one of the best defense players in the league, and they keep spending late first round picks on these edge rushers. This Chiefs defense is absolutely no joke. And it was not a surprise to me for the Chargers offense to be struggling. I think I'll be buying low on the Chargers as soon as this week. I haven't looked at matchups, though. Josh Palmer averaging basically the same amount of points as DeAndre Hopkins so far this year. So uh, never wrong just early Aiden, mm-hmm. on the Josh Palmer front. That's for sure. Okay, before we continue in alphabetical order the rest of the way, subscribe to the channel. I'm not feeling great right now. I got to be <laughs> honest. So uh, just kick I it over never, to me. I will never miss a stats versus film. You have my word on that because you all never miss a stats versus film. So let's do it right and help us on the road to 100,000 subscribers. Okay. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog. Or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Arizona Cardinals, first some big news, and it's on the tight end front. Zach Ertz is going on injured reserve. Hayden, like you said, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel for tight ends. So where among all of them are you going to rank Trey McBride or should we just wait till Thursday's show for that? Um, I mean, Zach Ertz over last month was the tight end 12 in usage. Um, yeah, you kept saying it every single show. I remember. Right. It hasn't been good. Uh, so I guess Trey McBride, we can slot him in for like fringe tight end one usage. The problem, though. Can you name your favorite Trey McBride play in the no. NFL? Because I haven't. Uh, you keep reminding me that Josh Dobbs has fully regressed. So oh, yeah, and and people are going to chase the Marquise Brown air yards, whatever model you're looking at. Again, it's like back to back weeks of what 50 yards that we're getting from him. And yeah. I'm with you. We can get the other side of variance, but what we have seen the last three weeks from Joshua Dobbs is much closer to what we have typically seen for Joshua Dobbs, whereas sure. he outplayed that the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. Still on the over the course of the season, Marquise Brown's kind of kept pace with his expected points. It's just been front loaded, and now we've been on a backwards run. I still think Kyler Murray, the next two matchups, really bad for the Cardinals. No reason to rush Kyler Murray then, but we should see like week 10, week 11, and on 
going back to Kyler Murray. So that would help Marquise Brown here. Um, yeah. And then you're right. Imario Di Mercado took all of the usage for the Cardinals. Does that matter? Um, we shall see. Baltimore Ravens. The focus of this week's scheme with Colt McCoy, um, Todd Monken was on one. Let's go. Uh, I'll just bring this up. They were putting Mark Andrews and Patrick Ricard out there, and that was forcing the Lions defense into base. And in the first half, Lamar Jackson went like 7 of 8 for 144 yards. I think Robert Mays is the one who put that number out there. And he was just doing a great job of combining just simple drop back games with cool RPOs, with cool running concepts on top of that. And then just, again, forcing personnel groupings because then they would also do – just patch Ricard out there tied in and three wide receivers. And because Ricard out there and mm-hmm. teams treat that as like a sixth offensive lineman, the mm-hmm. defense was also in base for that. And then you just have these explosive players all over the yard. It was such a cool aspect to see. And I pulled up where we're at right now with Lamar Jackson, because I think he's playing close to an MVP caliber level. He's in the mix versus what he did, you know, back in what 2018, I think it was for his MVP season. Then he was scoring 28.1 fantasy points per game, which is nuts. I mean, that's four more than any other quarterback that year. This year he's at 21.4. That MVP year, he had just one game under 20 fantasy points that entire season. He already has two so far this year, and I think it was like 10.9 and 8.4. So it's quite different than that MVP campaign from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I agree with that. I think things are getting better, though. Ronnie Stanley in the center, Tyler Linderbaum, those guys are back. We should see Zay Flowers get a little bit more comfortable with zone coverage, and that's going to be helpful. Mark Andrews is now fully healthy. A couple great plays from Mark Andrews, uh, winning in different ways, contested catches, and also yards after the catch, and then that Gus Bus weird zone read play. I'm not sure if you and Colt saw that one. That was a wonky play. Uh, Running back notes, though. Gus Edwards obviously gets the goal line opportunity, but once we get the Ravens in, in positive game scripts, here comes the Gus bus. And that's what's going to happen uh, in situations like this. So if the Ravens can keep playing good defense and they completely shut down that Lions offense, there's a chance that Gus, Bud, Gus bus could be decent. He's the running back 26 in both points and expected points over the last month. So I would call him a flex play um, moving forward. They are five and two. They get the Cardinals next. Than the Seahawks after that. I mean, those are really fun teams mm-hmm. to go up against right now with the current version of this Ravens offense. Yeah. I believe that they even wanted to receive the football on the opening coin toss rather than deferring. Yeah. It's almost as if like all week they knew like, oh, we got them exactly where we want them. We're just going to stomp you. And it was 35 points by the middle of the third quarter they had. I like that uh, theory. He did say, though, that they looked at the wind reports um, and that's what they're doing. But that's that goes to show you how advanced the Ravens are. Yeah, Uh, they know a lot of ball. They know a lot of weather and tie all that stuff together. And you have a top five team in the league. Yeah, And that weather certainly impact the quarterback on the opposite end of this Carolina Panthers. They are coming out of a bye. I can't wait, Hayden. What do you want to see? I don't want to see really anything uh no we get thomas brown like this this should be and could be i'm not saying from a win-loss perspective but from a watchability hey let's get more people involved other than just adam thielen's standpoint because i will repeat what i keep saying in this monologue adam thielen is getting open and to me the results show that if a receiver gets open for bryce young it leads to production the other guys are not getting open at all, at all. 
So can Thomas Brown manufacture things other than Adam Thielen? And if so, then again, we'll have a bump for Bryce Young and we'll have a bump for one of the tertiary pieces that's a part of this offense. Yeah, I'm looking at the running back rotation as well. I think this stat just goes to show inside the 10-yard line, which the Panthers have not been there very often. They have passed the ball 68% of the time. That's the second highest rate in the league. And I think it's because they don't trust their offensive line, which may be getting healthier coming off the bye. Uh, but they haven't trusted their running backs in this type of situation. We've had some comments that they're not like calling Miles Sanders the for sure lead back. He's been in a little bit of a committee with uh, Chuba Hubbard the last two games anyways, just because Miles Sanders has been head, shoulders, knees, and toes with him on the injury report. Um, I still think Miles Sanders will be the 1A, but it's not going to be like 60-70%. It might be closer to like 55%. And I do think we need to see something from the Panthers' offense as a whole. Maybe it is Thomas Brown. Maybe it is post by uh, Bryce. But we need to see this offense get better before we can really try try to like trust Miles Sanders again. It's a big moment for Thomas Brown. I mean, he's already gotten head coaching interviews. This is like if you stink for the next 10 weeks. Like this is the opportunity to do it coming from the Sean McVay tree. And hopefully they can just incorporate some of the shifts and the motions and things on top of that. When it was super stationary, basically with Frank Reich over the last few weeks, Chicago bears. I mean, two of the stars of week seven, Deontay Foreman and Tyler Bajent. Talk to me. Yeah. Deontay, he was just such a monster out there. And his two starts, 10.8, and then last week, 19.2, expected half PPR points. Uh, no Roshan Johnson in either of those games. It's been Darrington Evans behind them. But, man, like, he's just a big boy out there. And he was he was getting these silver and, and white jerseys on the ground. Lots of truck sticks out here. One of my favorite plays of the week was Deontay Foreman had a little cutback here. And it was just him versus the safety. And he tries to hurdle him. And man, his vert might be about 18 inches, but he gave it a hell of an effort. But uh, shout out to him for for finding the holes. Offensive line has been rock solid. Uh, yeah, Deontay Foreman, I think, is going to be solid enough. I think it's enough pressure where Roshan's not going to come back and for sure be the lead back. Uh, quite frankly, I just think Deontay Foreman's a better player than Roshan Johnson, at least in the ground game. And obviously, they're going to want to hide Tyson Bajan as much as they can. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Justin Fields for another two weeks or so. Um, there's no reason to like kind of rush him back. He's got a dislocated thumb on your throwing hand. I mean, my goodness. Right. That was basically my question with Foreman, because if you just looked at the depth chart, he was ahead. Excuse me. He was behind Roshan Johnson. Now, mm-hmm. there's reasons for that when we talk about special teams, when we talk about third down work. All of it, but there is no way, there's no way that they can turn to Roshan Johnson coming off multi-week concussion and say, actually, Deontay, thank you for your service, but we're going to go back to this rookie. Because, I mean, Foreman, over the last two years, when given an opportunity behind a kick-ass offensive line, like Mm -hmm. Darnell Wright was pushing people off the Mm -hmm. football. Um, To me, this is almost a little encapsulation of what we got with the Panthers last year of, hey, it's P.J. Walker, uh, it's Sam Darnold. And now we just focus on the running game. And if that's the case, like Deontay Foreman, if you get towards the goal line, you're going to get a touchdown out of it. Yeah, you might fall on your ass too. He's coming for you. Watch out, (laughs) linebackers. Cincinnati Bengals. uh, They are also coming off of a bye. What do you want to see? Um, I would like to see Joe Burrow fully healthy because T Higgins has been completely on a milk carton here. I have a couple of of the season. Do you think like for a guy that's played a lot, the bus of the year? 
Yeah, I would say he's certainly up there. There's like so many factors that are playing into that. Like you don't know how much of it is uh, his own health. You don't know how much of it is with just simply um, Joe Burrow's health. But like looking at this one right here, this is target efficiency. So this is just like completion percentage over expected and then EPA per target. I mean, look at this, Josh. Tegan's by himself. Like on a per target basis, been like the worst wide receiver in the league. Now, obviously that's not going to keep up. But like that to me is like the, the significance of these injuries hopefully the buy cleans that up because in a very good division i mean the steelers are somehow in the mix here the browns defense won the best in a long time and obviously the ravens we just talked about them being a top five team they there's no more messing around here with the Bengals. they got to be rock solid the rest of the year so i'm hoping that t higgins not gets back in the round two three discussion but just give me that boom bus wide receiver 18 type you have to take that right now because he's not been anywhere near that uh in any category yeah, the last three games he's played 3.1, 2.9, and three points. And again, don't want to diminish everything that uh, Joe Burrow went through and how that impacts all the wide receivers and how it's funneled into one direction, so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, it has sucked so far. Also, want to see if positive regression ever hits for Joe Mixon, ever. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bake on it, we'll except see. one week, one week. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys also coming off a bye. Uh, what do you want to see, Hayden? Uh, I'll answer this first. Um, this team needs to be much better in the red zone. Last year, they were at 71.4% TD success rate. They're 26th in the NFL right now at 39.1%. Yeah, I, I don't – do you have like a reason why they're struggling down there? Do you think it's just like simply bad luck? Or Moore versus Mike McCarthy in that air of the field. Uh, because like, again, not that the Chargers are outstanding this year, but they are sixth in the NFL at 63.6% in terms of red zone touchdown success rate. So I, I think – Certain play callers are just better in a condensed field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when the field hasn't been condensed, I looked at this. I don't have the chart on hand, but I, I was comparing Tony Pollard's runs this year versus last year, and the big play runs have just completely disappeared from Tony Pollard. So, which, which makes sense when you're getting more volume, you're mm-hmm. just might lack that final gear to take it over the top and run away from everyone else. Plus, the injury that is coming back. Yeah, he broke his leg last exactly. year. Like that's that's one thing that we kind of just like memory hold for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, that has been a factor. But maybe the offensive line, which has been injured at the beginning part of the season, coming off the bye, they can regroup and get things together. But um, all of the fun Tony Pollard stuff has not been nearly as fun. He, I would say, I would call him a buy low. Me too. Um, I mean, he he still has. 17 carries from inside of the 10 yard line. And he only has two touchdowns off of those. He is surrounded by players with six touchdowns and five touchdowns. Yeah. The, the problem though is the reason why he has so many goal line carries is because the one before he got stuffed on. So what is it? Yeah. Again, I, I don't think that we all can get upset. Why the game changing explosive carries aren't there when the opposite end of that the other door that opens is we're just getting way more volume than we ever have before with Tony Pollard. So you have to give a little bit to get a little bit in uh, another situation. Okay. Denver Broncos. I said it on the Sunday night instant reaction show. Thank you all for tuning in. Best Javante Williams game of the season. I felt in terms of mm-hmm. just working between the tackles and vision, picking up was blocked for him, creating a bit on his own. Uh, we also got Marvin Mims playing more than he ever has a season, and that ended in negative 11 yards. Yeah, I think Marvin Mims is a, a yards per route run sort guy, and he still needs some development to be a full-time player there. Um, 
your guy Jaleel was playing a lot early. And then once the Broncos felt like they had the game a little bit more in hand, it was a lot of the Javante Williams carries of notes. Maje P. Ryan still gets a two minute drill. So this is a little bit of a three three way committee. And that's going to make it hard for Javante Williams to be a consistent player. But I do agree the straight line burst is there. I'm not sure how much wiggle we still have with Javante Williams and like the receptions that people were hoping for. I just don't see that being the case. Cause I think what happens is that the Broncos start losing games. I think you'll see a little bit more Jaleel McLaughlin than what you did in this game where when they're going up and winning, it's going to be Javante when they're going down and losing. I think they'll go get uh, Jaleel McLaughlin back in the mix. Uh, other note um, with just Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, Gordon, Gordon, uh, Gordon looks pretty good. I, I don't know what exactly it is, but he's, he's winning routes like in breaking routes and more slant routes than I remember. He's made some contestant c- c- uh, catches. He's been paying off in fantasy because of touchdowns. Like don't get it twisted. It's been a lot of just touchdowns in general, but we'll see if the Broncos make a move between one of them trying trying to trade them. But to me, Cortland Sutton's just been such a better player than Jerry Judy this entire year. Um, over the last month, though, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 27 in production, but the wide receiver 54 in usage has all been touchdowns for him, though. Detroit Lions. Again, I want to stress that it is very difficult to take anything away from a game when you lose 38 to 6. Like the usage kind of gets thrown out the window. I will say, Jameer Gibbs getting. 20 opportunities um 11 carries plus nine receptions is a pretty big deal and the successful ones you can kind of read into to me of how they want to use him in his best capacity i mean he scored his touchdown on a toss play he had a chunk gain on a counter play that went to the outside they split him out with Amon ross and brown in the backfield on another one he also ran a rail route into the boundary of the field so a lot of it to me was outside the tackles and again, try to get him out in space and uh, it paid off despite them uh, losing by a lot. It paid off in his box score, I should say. Yeah, I, I had the same takeaway. Everything was misdirection or to the perimeter, which is something to monitor, but it is also good coaching to me. Um, and yeah, I thought he looked pretty solid. All things considered uh, the lions, of course, have the third highest neutral or the, third highest run rate once they get inside the 10 yard line. So there are opportunities for Jameer Gibbs to continue to pay off without David Montgomery, who still seems to be week to week, but in the two starts for Jameer Gibbs, 15.3 expected points in week three. Then this last week it was 18. I will say though, like that was the perfect game script for Jameer Gibbs. Like you want the Lions to be losing by a ton because they'll give him some easy looks. I don't think it'll be as good with a lead, um, but you will take a player that can get 10 targets in a game all the time. I, I think I'll be ranking him once again, borderline top 10, 12, assuming David Montgomery is out again. And the lines over the next three weeks, have you looked at their schedule? It's yet. the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Bears. Mm-hmm. That's pretty I wish good. David Mon- I wish David Montgomery oh, was in those. Of course. Oh, my goodness. Quickly with um, Jamison Williams on his six targets, five of the six were when they were down 35 to nothing. Um, yeah. Just, just a comment. He he looks really fast while you throw up. Uh, he looks really fast, but he gets thrown around a little bit too much and knocked off of his route a little bit too much for my liking. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be all Sam Laporta and Monroe St. Brown to me. Green Bay Packers. 
Not much to add here. Again, I just want to reiterate that on Sunday, I felt that Aaron Jones looked good. They just were probably limiting him to not exert him fully coming off of an injury. And I think that people will want to know what they can do with Christian Watson um, moving forward because, you know, at least on obviously best ball and underdog, they don't have to worry about it. But he was still drafted as like a mid-round wide receiver. And it's the boomer bust type that on a weekly basis, no one knows what to do when he's attached to Jordan Love. I mean, I don't have a good answer for you. He's not <laughs> getting like the usage that you would want because he doesn't get the layup targets. Like the similar conversation to, to Calvin Ridley, except he at least Calvin Ridley at least has Trevor Lawrence. Like Jordan Love will continue to miss throws. He was missing throws back in college, and that's why he wasn't a top five overall pick. And I think he's going to continue to miss. I, I guess my point is based on just the fantasy points in that short span of time last year the perception around Christian Watson was, okay, if he takes a step, then he can be among like the alphas, right? The target earners, all of that grouping. But that's to me has never been his skill set necessarily. Like he's a yards after catch, manufactured touch, uh, deep shot guy. And I don't know if we've seen the development beyond that in his game this year. And then it's also the peripheral pieces that he's playing, the environment that he's playing in will hinder whatever spike weeks we have right now too. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, other notes, Jaden Reed been completely erased with Watson back in the lineup. Same thing with Romeo Dobbs. They're like usage, like legitimately cut in half, and both of them are completely off the fantasy radar to me with no teams on by. And then Luke Musgrave to like continue, just cannot catch a break in any capacity, left with a little bit of an ankle injury there. And then uh, Aaron Jones only played 36% of the snaps last week. It's We're talking about a 28-year-old running back who had a hamstring injury, comes back, has a setback, now plays again, 36% of the snaps. Like, this is the type of injury, to me, that lingers and lingers and lingers. So until he gets full practices in, uh, I'm going to have to make some big adjustments in rankings. Houston Texans, another team coming out of their bye week. What do we want to see other than just more love in the direction of C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dell and company? Yeah, I just wanted to bring this chart back up for the timestamp bros. The Texans are just peppering throws over the middle, and those are so efficient. It's also not the easiest thing to do for a rookie quarterback to stick in there and not throw interceptions while throwing over the middle. There's a reason why it's just Matthew Stafford, the dig uh, dig route god uh, next to him there. And the big beneficiary of that has been Nico Collins as well. He's the guy over the, working over the middle of the field. And uh, ESPN, they have like this open score, and it's just like taking the advanced metrics on every single play. And Tank Dell and Nico Collins are both top in the five. top 10. They're yeah. both in the top five. Uh, and then Dalton Schultz is not the perfect player, but he can sit in zones underneath. So they all of a sudden have a good thing going. Offensive line looks a lot healthier coming out of the bye. CJ Stroud post by rookie bump. Tank Dell post by rookie bump. Robert Woods doing a little things un- underneath. I think this team can go on a little bit of a run here, and hopefully Damian Pierce gets dragged into the fantasy discussion. He hasn't been doing a whole lot himself, but if this team is as good as I think they could be, top 12-ish team in the NFL, I do think that better days are coming for Damian Pierce. His inside-the-five-yard line opportunities have been trending up the last couple weeks after getting stonewalled early on. Yeah, even though we did have the coach comments of this would be a split backfield, we will see what it goes into over the next couple weeks. They do have the Saints this weekend. In yeah. the Panthers after that. I mean, the Saints, despite 
Well, we saw the Jaguars put up points on them. The Saints defense has been one of the better units across the league so far this year. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts. I mean, fun team. I forgot to mention it, but obviously this Browns defense is fantastic. But we have seen probably the two quarterbacks that have given them the most difficulties has obviously been Lamar Jackson, duh, but even Gardner Minshew. And just that quarterback mobility aspect to it, I think is something to monitor as we move forward with the Cleveland Browns defense. But quickly on the Colts, I mean, we can talk about Josh Downs. We can talk about Michael Pittman. We can talk about Jonathan Taylor. Where you want to take this? Yeah, I think let's do with Josh Downs. I hear you. The Browns didn't have their best game, but a large majority of the yards and the touchdowns was on this play, which is a broken play, free play, and then a busted coverage with players trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And Josh Downs, credit to him as a rookie, knowing to kind of take that route upfield for the long play. So uh, Josh Downs, a very good player. I think that was a very fluky play. And then um, this this is attributed to his air yards as well. And mm-hmm. the target wasn't even close to him. So I right. this like 17 A dot stuff with Josh Downs, that is not sticky. But we still have a player that we absolutely love who can win in the short to intermediate game who yep. Gardner Minshew absolutely loves throwing to. And to me, that is flex category every single week this season. Yeah, Josh Downs up to the wide receiver 43 in usage over the last month of the season. Um, so good stuff there. And then for Jonathan Taylor, it was 50% snaps between him and Zach Moss. It's hard to like get a good read on the situation because that game was very weird. They are getting targeted more than they would have been with Anthony Richardson as well. And I really love what the Colts uh, coaching staff has done there. So I think Jonathan Taylor in a better matchup and with his legs getting back underneath him, he is really approaching top 12 rankings. Again, I might get him in there this week for the first time. I think he looks good, not great, but it's not a surprise if he looks a little bit better with a couple more weeks of actual NFL action. Las Vegas Raiders. I want to repeat for the first time in this show that progression is not linear. With that said, we spent a good chunk of last week's show talking about Michael Mayer and how he can be in our lives at tight end because he's receiving tight end at the end of the day and being moved around. And then Hayden, we get just four targets, two receptions, 13 yards, and 52% of the routes. And that's in a extremely negative game script. So from all those data points, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. But even going back to last week in that conversation, I, th- I th- I'm pretty sure I mentioned that he, he he was only out there for like 65 percent of the routes last week. So the usage was there because he was getting some checkdown opportunities, but like the actual playing time still wasn't up to par. And this, I mean, it's just an organization that's just a total mess here. Um, big positive though is Jacoby Myers, man, just like every single week, refresh the usage model again. He's still up there, wide receiver 17 over the last month of the season. So he's been the guy that has been taking things uh, to the next level. Josh Jacobs still running in quickstand. I'm not sure if we're going to get anything better out of them. This is like a team that's like approaching like full-blown panic going into trade deadline, eliminated from the playoff picture soon, and then like what happens late in the season as well. Because we already saw it last year. They started shutting down Derek Carr. Who knows what's going to happen late in the year, but this is the team that I'm very nervous about because they are just so directionless. There are two wide receivers with nine targets inside the 10 yard line this season, Jacoby Myers and Devonte Adams. They're the only ones. The next closest is at seven. Jacoby has four touchdowns on his Devonte has one touchdown on his. It's pretty do nice. it. They're on the same team and uh, the team sucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Miami Dolphins. So we still have two more weeks at least without HN. I know that the optimism immediately was that he'd come back after that four-week IR stint. Raheem Mostert opened the game after we finished our instant reaction show, I think, with like three carries for negative eight yards. Yep. To be honest, I didn't have time to go back through this game. Um, mm-hmm. What did we see from a data point standpoint of the second back, if there is one that is warranted, of the Salvin Ahmed versus Jeff Wilson dynamic? It was Salvin Ahmed ahead of Jeff Wilson, which was the fear looking at why Jeff Wilson was basically a healthy scratch the week before that. I don't see anything changing here. I think it was just a Miami offensive line that was missing some pieces getting run over by a defensive line. And something that was interesting to see is just like, as a reminder, the Eagles edge rushers aren't like the 290 pound uh, types. They're the speed rushers. And maybe that was getting into the mix with a team that peppers outside runs as well. Um, So I I can't wait to watch this game in entirely uh, on the all 22, because I am curious to see if the Eagles did anything with like the rushing lanes uh, on the perimeter, just because we know how good of a team they are. So a uh, tough game for, for obviously the dolphins. I think they will have better games, but it is worth considering. Like they've been absolutely boat racing the worst teams in the league. And whenever they face the best teams, things just kind of tick down back to like normal NFL action. And then Jalen Waddle, he had that back injury kept flaring up. I didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, MLJ on the beat says Mike McDaniel expects Jalen Waddle to practice Wednesday. Dolphins kind of break their back injuries can be tricky. Uh, again, Dolphins are so much fun, but it is worth repeating that they dominated the Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, and Panthers this year and lost by at least two touchdowns to the Bills and the Eagles, both on the road. And then coming up, they have the Patriots again and the Chiefs and the Raiders. All three games coming up for them at home. Mm. But actually, no, one of them is uh, over in Germany. That one's against the Chiefs. All right. Man, we have to compete with our Sunday morning show with the Dolphins offense and the Chiefs offense. That's not going to go well for us. Right. Maybe I'll wear some like Lederhosen or something. <laughs> okay. Try to get the views up. <laughs> okay. uh, New England Patriots, speaking of. Uh, Demario Douglas sprung up for like a bit mm-hmm. of usage in this game, but more so, man, I just hope that they can take whatever success that they had in this game that Mac Jones attributed to more Alabama-esque play calls with Bill O'Brien and take that moving forward because it gave us like the best of a bunch of players that we've seen yeah. so far this year. Yeah, I was excited that when I during the recap show, I mentioned that like this felt like more quick hitting Alabama stuff. And then Mac Jones said that I think that's not a surprise if they go back to that, which would be like kind of feeding the pop Douglas type of players. Uh, He ran around 73% of the dropbacks. Big note here, obviously Juju wasn't active Uh, in that open rate for ESPN though. The worst receiver in the NFL out of like 109 pass catchers has been Juju in that metric. So he just hasn't looked Right, not a surprise. By the way, the Patriots had three of the bottom five players uh, in that as well with Hunter Henry. I think Devontae Parker also really though there. So for now, it's going to be Kendrick Bourne, uh, who's averaging 11.4 expected points if Juju or Devontae Parker out. If both of them are in, only 6.7. So we'll have to monitor the injury report. And then last note when it comes to the running backs, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, they keep rotating drives more or less. So last week, Zeke Elliott just happened to be on the field uh, when they got to the goal line. So he had two inside the five-end opportunities because those happened to be 
on his drives on the last play of the game when everything mattered, when Gesicki was hitting that gritty in the end zone, Ramondre was out there. So over the last two games, Ramondre at least 15.0 and 13.2 expected half PPR points. Um, so I think he's relatively in the mix. But whenever I watch Ramondre, he always pops off when he's catching little routes out of the backfield late in games. I misspoke on the, the recap show saying it was garbage time. What I meant is like just the two minute drill situations when they're trailing uh, in games when they have to play with pace. That's when Ramondre Stevenson is at his best. And that's what happened late in that game. Okay. New York Giants. Let's lead this with uh, Darren Waller because now he is the tight end five in points per game. Uh, after two of the last three weeks, 12.6 and 19.3 fancy mm-hmm. points. Again, in this past one, eight targets, seven receptions, 98 yards, and one touchdown. Um, I mean, Hayden, that is just one spot after he was drafted this past year. I'm not saying it was worth it because, again, he is averaging just 8.8 fancy points, but a little bit is right in the world. And, like, we finally got mm-hmm. a bit of that gold standard usage we were hoping for. Yeah, what was cool about his tape was – all eight of his targets or whatever it was, it wasn't the same route on any of them. Like he was doing option routes. He was doing stuff out, out in the flats. He was running this crossing route right here, which is absolute dime from Tyrod Taylor. Who's been playing fairly good, not taking as many sacks as Daniel Jones behind a really rotten offensive line, but uh, it was good usage for Darren Waller. He's really taken up in the usage model. He's now up to the tight end four unexpected points over the last month, tight end five over that period as well. A couple weeks ago, I did notice that they were running some like three by one sets with him, getting him in isolation, working him downfield. And that did coincide with him getting off of the injury report. So it is something to monitor with Darren Waller. We could have a nice little finish towards the end here, assuming this team doesn't get completely knocked out of the playoff picture where they're not even like trying at that point. Um, And then last note, Saquon Barkley, he's been elite, elite, elite when it comes to the usage since returning. Um, and I thought he looked really good for a player that was coming off of another high ankle sprain. Like these, this yards after the catch ability that Saquon has is really special stuff. And the Giants have already claimed they're not going to trade him. Saquon doesn't want to be traded. It's just a face of the franchise situation, which does make you wonder why they didn't give Saquon Barkley the long term extension and tag Daniel Jones. But the Giants will have to live with that decision going into this next offseason. Daniel Jones at 6.3 intended air yards per attempt compared to Tyrod Taylor's eight, obviously a huge part. And I believe Andrew Thomas is expected back mm-hmm. this next game. Finally, um, mm-hmm. just offensive line stuff has derailed whatever success this team could have. And I do, I do want to leave the light on for your guy and Jalen Hyatt. I was just going to say he it's flashes. He's not going to be an every down player. Totally. It's flashes. But if he can turn into Rashid Shahid type of stuff, that's like the kind of barometer I'm hoping for. And right now he's on track. And I think with more offensive line help, it goes back to the monologue I was saying this summer that this Giants team does want to attack more down the field. We're seeing it with Tyrod versus what we saw with Daniel Jones. They want to be more vertical. We saw it with those Darren Waller receptions, and I, we've seen it with uh, Jalen Hyatt as well. New York Jets, another team coming out of a bye. What do you want to see, Hayden, and why is it Brees Hall and that's it? Yeah, I would like to see some Brees Hall and some Garrett Wilson, man. That's, not, that's I don't, the show. I don't, I don't got anything for you. You want to save your – your your throat ailment and get to the next team unless you had something super special to say yeah i mean just with Brees Hall, what he was closing as like a third or fourth round pick i think a fourth round pick after the yeah for sure dalvin cook signing uh, i think he can make good on that 
You know, oh, there's a team that sure. just lost Elijah Vera Tucker. But as we have seen, look, you know me, my thoughts with Zach Wilson. I think what we are seeing from Zach Wilson now might be the best Zach Wilson we've ever seen. And yeah, he is more in command of the offense. He is making quicker and better decisions. He's trusting his players around him. And so even if he gets to like below average quarterback play, we're not asking him to do too much, then that keeps these two superstar talents afloat. And they can be relevant for us on a weekly basis where five weeks ago we were talking about, well, Garrett Wilson has to take a catch 60 yards, and that's the only way he's going to be a reasonable start for you. Yeah, I, I, will, I will say I'm looking for Zach Wilson not to be the worst starter in the league on a week. Like, I, yeah. I don't think I don't even think we're even trying to dream of average quarterback play. I, quite frankly, even though they, he's looked better, he still looks like one of the bottom five guys in the league. Totally. But it's at least like for sure not the worst quarterback. Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I just had brought this for show and tell from Alex Kazora. Okay. The Steelers are four and two in the season, but they have not had more one place from scrimmage. Total yards are first downs than their opponent in any of their six games <laughs> this season. Uh, yet they keep on winning. This is why it blew my mind talking yeah. about it uh, during the instant reaction show on Sunday night. If you asked me if they were two and four, four and two without looking at it, I would have thought two and four easily. Yep. It's just Mike Tomlin, a little luck, whatever it is. Um, my primary notes here, Najee Harris last week, Season high, 14.2 expected half PPR points. Was playing on a few more passing downs than we'd seen previously. At the same time, Jalen Warren luck boxes into an easy touchdown. Uh, Jalen Warren, though, did have a season low in usage in general. And then just real quick, wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, one of the most exciting players in the whole league. Right here, George Pickens winning on some in-breaking routes here, some slant routes, and also doing stuff like this play where there's only a couple of guys in the whole league. So uh, even with Deontay Johnson back, George Pickens, 32% target share, 10.3 expected half PPR points. Uh, because there's no Pat Fryermuth, because Allen Robinson is not himself anymore, because Connor Hayward's not going to be demanding any targets, I do think that George Pickens and Deontay Johnson could be capable wide receivers here. But I've just seen a little bit more... George Pickens, he's, he's taken a year two leap. He hasn't gone to the moon, but it's not just the sideline grabs that he specializes in. There's at least a couple slant routes, a couple dig routes that I can point to this year where I literally couldn't point to any of them last season. This is his first normal week in a weird way. Like he's had games of 6.1, 4, and 9.5, and then the opposite end of that, 20.7 and 23.6 fantasy games. So like that soft little 13.2 fantasy mm -hmm. output. Um it's like stability. It's stable. And then with Deontay Johnson, I, I thought he looked like 90% there yards after the catch wise. He had some decent numbers there as well. It's those type of routes, like the little outbreaking routes where he's going to be the first read target. So it's a good tandem, like one, two punch when it comes to just kind of skill sets in general. I, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them were kind of like wide receiver threes moving forward, especially with Pat firing without San Francisco 49ers. Your intuition was correct that Christian McCaffrey would play in this game, and he dominated the backfield. Only Eli Mitchell saw one other backfield touch. And that was one carry for negative one yards. Um, I actually thought Brock Purdy started this game quite well, and then obviously he did not end it. Well, anything you want to bring up here, uh, again, it's the case of when Debo doesn't play, then we can feel much more confident in George Kittle getting seven for five and 78. Mm -hmm. uh, just hurts a little bit that Brandon Ayuk didn't get a bit more here. Well, that was going to be my point here. Just looking at this is just the most simple chart ever. This is targets per game and red zone targets per game. 
you just see like the 49ers, like why we get bust weeks from all these elite players aside from Christian McCaffrey is because when they get to the, the red zone, they're going to run the ball a ton and they just don't pass the ball in normal games because their defense is typically so good. So um, only the Titans are in a worse spot when it just comes to like targets in general as a team. So that's going to be the bad part for them. Yeah. Brock Purdy got exposed a little bit here. Um, his throws over the middle, uh, just got picked off or deflected in this game when he was running completely pure previously. Um, I do think that the Trent Williams injury also uh, has some ramifications here, but I think Brandon Ayuk still has tons of ceiling. This team uh, might not be like the for sure best team in the NFC as we thought maybe a couple weeks ago, um, but they'll still be very good. Seattle Seahawks. So with DK Metcalf missing this game with two different injuries, uh, Jackson Smith and Jake Bo goes four receptions, 63 yards and a score. And Jake Bobo goes four receptions, 61 <laughs> yards and a score. You laugh. Jake Bobo played 86% of the routes without DK Metcalf. Like if they're doing three wide receiver sets, Bobo was the one out there. And you remember last year I had some moments of flirtation with Marquise Goodwin. And he's like <laughs> a very different player than Goodwin. But again, when one guy went down, then you have your three wide receiver sets and they just love them some Bobo. Yeah, Bobo's the man, honestly. Uh, I, I think he's actually really good. I would not be surprised if he kind of stays in the mix. A uh, couple things on my radar here when it comes to the wide receivers. Number one, DK Metcalf. It's not his rib injury. It's that hip injury. And from what I know from the Twitter doctors, it's harder to get a pain injection into your hip injury. And next week, I don't think so, uh, for sure that he's going to be able to play through that. So that's something to monitor with uh, Tyler Lockett, JSN, and Bobo. Tyler Lockett, just throwing this out there again. I've mentioned this before. Yards per route run in 2021, 2.4. Last year, 1.9. This year, 1.5. Is that a trend or is that a small sample size? I don't know. He's been getting there with touchdowns, but the yardage, the usage and stuff has not been there. And then with JSN, um, he got a he got it done here. He scored a touchdown, which was more or less just kind of a coverage bust on this post. Yeah, it looked like right quarters here. and no one passed it off and he just got yeah. to walk in. It's too early in the career. I'm not like fully panicking on JSN because I, I do think that he has like a good baseline, like starting caliber, like skill set. There is an aspect of me where like, does he look like the 21st overall pick? Like the explosiveness, the physicality, physicality and stuff to me is just kind of been whatever. And like, if you look at some of these advanced metrics on open rates and yards after the catch over expected and stuff, it just hasn't looked super special to me. So it's just something that's on my monitor. I'm not writing him off. He certainly could have big games, but for a wide receiver that's going to be competing with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in a game like this, I thought I was going to see more out of him. He ultimately got home because of he's playing more snaps and won on that quarters bust. But I'm not sure if I see like first round stud wide receiver gets to this point. Kenneth Walker uh, is right with Dave Montgomery with 16.4. Fancy points per game. Um, I think that's like the running back eight and nine on the season mm -hmm. so far. They do have two very difficult matchups coming up. The most difficult in the league. Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens over the next two weeks. Mm. So that sucks. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the most Rashad White's targets on the season we got this past week. And now it coincides actually with, oh my gosh, my brain doesn't work. Um, Chase Edmonds returning from injured reserve and Chase Edmonds actually to open this year 
was taking some passing down and third down work away from Rashad White. So um, Rashad White on an individual basis has not looked good. He does yeah. not create yards on his own. He doesn't do any of that. And so he has to be a volume sponge. Um, yeah, it, it, he is like the middle of the pack in everything to me so far this season. So Chase Edmonds coming back like this next week? Yeah. Okay. He, he just got activated off injured reserve. And to me, that is going to take away some of this passing down work because that's where Chase Edmonds is one of the better viewed as, I would say, from coaches, one of the better passing down backs in the league. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when they're getting Keyshawn Vaughn on the field, that just shows how desperate they are. Um, yeah, the Mike Evans play still is one of my favorite reps of the entire week, just beating AJ Terrell on that post or on that go route on the perimeter. Um, once uh, Tampa Bay has gone inside the 10 yard line, um they are passing the ball at the third highest rate they have a guy wow. named Mick, mike evans who's six five and is pretty good in the red They've zone been from brutal inside the red zone though hayden they, they are can't, they can't worst. run the ball they're yeah exactly they're fourth fourth worst in the nfl at 37.5 percent of the red zone touchdown success rate so far this year yeah they can't run the ball so now they're trying to pass the ball and in short yarded situations it is better to run the ball and they have not been able to do that yet so um they're kind of just stuck in a place they're 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 borderline average on offense which i'll take as a huge win here but they are just missing the firepower um in general here and by the way chris godwin has 2.8 fewer touchdowns than expected that is the worst rates in the nfl so we're playing this game is he a positive regression candidate or is he not the same player as before i think i'll take the middle uh ground between that two more teams and then i get to take a nap uh <laughs> tennessee titans they're coming out of a bye. What do you want to see, Hayden? What we got from Mike Vrabel is that if Ryan Tannehill, and it certainly sounds like he can't go this week, then we're going to get a mixture of Malik Willis Ooh. and Will Levis, and I don't believe him at all. Um, I don't. To me, it doesn't matter. This is just a horrid. Well, situation. they're two very different types of quarterbacks, and that to me, that is the reason why he is saying that. Because would you have to game plan against the athleticism that Malik Willis brings to the table, who can't see over the middle of the field? or the big-armed, mostly pocket passer of Will Levis. Again, I don't think it really matters because neither is going to be good, Yeah, probably, but I, I think defenses have to play them differently. Yeah, I think Will Levis is going to be panicking in the pocket and scrambling a ton, and he's going to look like a dual-threat quarterback out there. That's my intuition if he gets out there. It's not a good situation. DeAndre Hopkins uh, is potentially getting Traylon Burks back as well, and he's already been only the wide receiver 35 without him. So... With the backup quarterback, I don't think there's any players I feel comfortable starting. So I think when you ask me, what do I want to see from the Titans? I want to see Derrick Henry get traded. They already traded Kevin Byard. Uh, I think that's a signal that they are ready to tear this whole thing down. I think there's a chance that Ryan Tannehill's ankle injury lingers for a long time. And if this team gets eliminated from the playoffs early, why not get this party started and trade Derrick Henry to a contending team there? Like Get him over to the Rams or something like that. Do something crazy. We don't need to see Derrick Henry on this team anymore. Man, Nukes stats this year. 10, 6, 6.3, 8.3. Had an 18 week, then 2.5. And that's been it so far for fantasy points. Yep. The, the cliff hit to me. Uh, I'm totally with you on the Derrick Henry thing because then that opens the door for Tajay Spears, who I yes. think can be a – he is a different style of running back to Derrick Henry. And I actually think that in a weird way, maybe the – poor blocking doesn't impact him as much because he can be a bit more explosive beyond the line of scrimmage in terms of mm -hmm. catching passes and being comfortable in that area. So 
if you're Rand Carthon, their, their GM, don't you want to see like, is Taiji a 1B or could he actually yeah. be like my lead back? And the only way you get that answered is if Derrick Henry's not part of the picture. So for me, it'd be I'm starting Will Levis in Taiji Spears the rest of the season. I'm hopefully getting Traylon Burks back and I'm trading to Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill to any team that wants him. I like that. Washington Commanders, we close it out with them. This from Ryan McChrystal. Sam Howell has taken 20 sacks on plays lasting 3.5 seconds or longer, according to True Media. Only two quarterbacks have taken 20 or more total sacks. Uh, there are no plays designed to require 3.5 seconds. All those sacks are on <laughs> Sam Howell. And, you know, maybe he listened to the show on Sunday night about me asking if quarterbacks should lose points based on sacks. And 3.5 yeah. seconds. I mean, <laughs> you wanting us to track 3.5 seconds is amazing. And that's why I love you, Josh. Um, what I don't love is the running back rotation. Yeah, this talk to is, me about Chris Rodriguez hopping in here. I mean, this is a backfield that can't afford to lose much production um, because Brian Robinson's already game script dependent. And Chris Rodriguez, it wasn't like it was just garbage time. He did get the, the some of the garbage time work, but they still had a 25% chance of winning when Chris Rodriguez getting these late uh, game touches, but he was actually mixing in early on. So Brian B Rob's still like the goal line guy, but Chris Rodriguez, like this coaching staff for whatever reason, just loves this dude. Um, and man, they're looking for answers. I, I will just shout out to me uh, calling Sam Howell. Baker oh. Mayfield is pretty, pretty damn spot on. We either talked about it on this show or the running back tier show on Wednesdays that this was like the sell window for Brian Robinson. He's still the running back 10 in total points this year, but yeah. much lower than that in the points per game, even though in points per game, he has more than B. John Robinson, which is, I mean, this area, it's wild to look at. It goes Austin Eckler, Brian Robinson, Brees Hall, B. John, Josh Jacobs, James Cook, Aaron Jones in points per game right now. Yeah. Um, okay. That's going to do it. You survived. Thanks for grinding. Just barely. Just barely. All right, everyone. Thank you for sticking with me. Sorry I didn't bring my full energy and brain today. Uh, and the episode of Scheme that we have, again, dropping on Thursday, literally had to redo segments of it because my brain just kept going on for like two minutes and I couldn't land the ship. And I was, I was, yeah, I was like, I was like, Colt, uh, we're just going to have to scrap that. I'm going to have to redo that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, appreciate all of you. Appreciate producer weaves. Um, and we'll be back here on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with running back rankings, quarterback, tight ends, and then wide receivers to end the week. Josh earned a hell of a sub if you're still watching with us. And other note, NBA is back in our lives. The pick'em lobby for NBA is out of control. Like there are so many options. So if you're watching a Laker game, if you're watching the Joker play, um, and you can do it live. You can do it live. There's in-game stuff like Underdog Fantasy. The app is where it's at. So make sure to go play if you're an NBA fan. I'm a casual when it comes to that. But if I am watching a game, I do like to have a couple things going. So make sure to use promo code the show. We'll match your deposit up to $100. But the Pick'em Lobby is absolute gas right now. We have yeah. baseball, football, and basketball, and college football. It is a, There's never been a better time to be on the app. And Premier League. I mean, let's not forget about the Premier League. Um, one more note. Uh, you see the the dog bowls for our live events on location in Miami. I believe that's, don't quote me on this, week 14, I believe. Yes, Aiden? in December. In December. Uh, we will be there. So we have different tournaments every single week. If you qualify, it's an all-expenses-paid trip down to Miami to hang out with us. 
what more would you want? Josh will get you sick. That's a promise. <laughs> what more would you want than to hang out with us? And all I do in environments like that is just you say a player's name and I tell you where you went to college. That's yeah. it. And maybe a couple. And <laughs> Me and Rudman. That's all we do. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Up the velo. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya.